Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. He was still falling, still yelling that drawn-out yell. The Emerlin was free of her card, the High Lord striding out with his sword. The flat shapes moved almost as slowly as he. Almost. He had proof this deal in their hands could cut, and no doubt the rod could crack his skull. His skull. Matt, chapter two. I believe it's Whirls in the Pattern from The Shadow Rising. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I am here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is the road to Tarvalon. Today we are back to the Shadow Rising covering chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5. Bubbles of Evil are here. Yes, they are. I feel like we just covered this even though it was a year ago. <laughs> and once again, this whole these bubbles of evil are total goof troop in my head. I, I can't I can't get over it. I love that that's how you see it because for me it's still I don't know, it's still so much the way I saw it when I was young and read it and they're just they're fun. I think they're fun, like kind of unexpected, especially the cards coming out of the or the <laughs> and that one's probably my least favorite. Is it really? That's it my favorite. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, who's this? A person in the cards. What is this? It reminds me of, I'm thinking of that movie a long time ago where someone has like a little Native American figurine. It used to be a book as well. And it came alive when it was in the cabinet. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Is it is it Indian in the cupboard? Is that what it's called? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think, I think that's actually why I like it so much is that, and I mean, I mean, should we do like a quick summary and then just jump into our second chapter here since that's where all of this action takes place? Sure. Cool. It's, <laughs> it's pretty short. You're going to appreciate this. You ready? I'm ready. Perrin, Matt, and Rand are all in the Stone of Tears, separate from each other, but tied together whether they like it or not. Outside in the darkness, a cock crowed, and bubbles of evil rise to the surface to attach themselves to our three Taviran. Yeah. I almost wrote down, Stone of Tear, Bubbles of Evil. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. Okay, cool. Good to know for future in case we have another chapter like this where I'm like, just a few words really sums this whole chapter up before we like, get into it. I don't know what it is about this chapter, but I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be blunt. Let me be totally blunt. Oh, please. No, Amber, please. Just don't do that. I think the best part about this chapter is finishing it. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Okay, so. The best part is when I flip to the beginning of chapter chapter three. I don't know what it is about it, but it feels like, I mean, I'm sure most children's books don't end with, you know, people getting cut up and poked at. But the way that I see this in my head, Mm -hmm. 
is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like Matt surfing on creatures. I just, I, right. I, I can't see it in my head in a way that doesn't feel totally kooky. Okay. So kind of like those scenes that feel really like they could be animated cartoony instead of like almost real life kind of scene yeah and I know we say that a lot and I don't want to say that like cartoony is bad because there's like there's different levels of like animated Mm -hmm. entertainment you know Mm -hmm. there's like Daffy Duck and then there's (laughs) there's things like Cowboy Bebop Studio Ghibli can be totally different yeah yeah some animated entertainment is geared specifically towards adults, like mm-hmm. South Park or something. Like, there's mm-hmm. a whole range of animated Absolutely. entertainment. Mm-hmm. But this just falls in the Daffy Duck Bugs Bunny <laughs> category. <laughs> and I don't know why I can't get over it. Because there are other bubbles of evil that happen later on that I feel like are terrifying. Mm-hmm. But this one. Mm-hmm. Goofy. 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 A little goofy. But still, I can see why people would love it. Like, there is kind of, like, yeah. this nostalgia to it where it feels mm-hmm. like Robert Jordan was kind of like, okay, I'm going to put on my thinking cap here and mm-hmm. try and do something that's a little bit dark, maybe a mm-hmm. little bit creepy, see how it works. Like, we're going to test the waters and see how people feel about something like this. Yeah. And it's, you know, spoiler alert. This is a, like a ridiculous. It's not really a spoiler, but it's not the only bubble of evil that ever happens in the books. Right. So. Mm-hmm. There's more out there, but this one in itself is kind of like (laughs) putting your toe in the water of like, okay, can we go a little bit more deeper, darker with this? Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment of this chapter versus what develops later in the books. Like you say, there's almost like there's a Daffy Duck. I almost feel Studio Ghibli, like the or Ghibli, however you say it, uh, like, um spirited away and howl's moving castle like that's almost how i see the animation in my head when i view this as an animated okay but are you talking about like how you see it like Mm -hmm. how it looks in your mind's eye or Mm -hmm. like the story itself no no i'm seeing it like in my mind's eye and it's not even like i don't necessarily apply that to this chapter because because i'm talking like the vibe not like what it looks like but like what it feels like (laughs) i don't know if that makes sense (laughs) it does and it makes a big difference it makes a big difference like uh, like it can have that goofy vibe and still be real life scene if you will so i I think that does that does actually make a difference I don't see them being able to do anything like this. Like Perrin, no, Perrin wrestling around with a flying axe, goof troop. They're never going to do it. (laughs) Matt having an imaginary person come out of the cars and poke them, never going to happen. (laughs) That's the one I want. It's never going to happen. You know what, though? Like, I think I think because of that. I feel like in my mind's eye, I could think of how you could do the figures emerging from the playing cards. However, the difficulty of the two scenes between Perrin 
and Rand would probably negate being able to do Matt's and not theirs too. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, a flying, wrestling, an imaginary flying, not imaginary, but a... Well, for the actor, it would be. (laughs) Can you imagine? It's just some guy with the green screen suit on holding the axe. Yes. Like, Perrin having to fight him. It would look so ridiculous. Yes. I can see that. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And then even more so when we get to Matt having the imaginary people coming out of the cards. I can't imagine them doing this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think no matter how much money you threw at this, like if you want to put like a huge chunk of the budget into this one scene with like the kooky people and the cards and like getting poked. Mm-hmm. It, oh, if they, <laughs> I can't even speak. If it's they do you it. speechless. Yeah. <laughs> I will eat my hat, mm-hmm. but I just think as far as like all of the criticisms and whatnot, I'm just imagining like what people would say about it if it didn't look good or cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it would get a lot of criticism. Let's get back to like what's happening. Okay. And then Rand's battling many other rands the little tiny reflections yeah after Berlaine comes in and is like you want me <laughs> yeah yes such confidence honestly nice. the rand versus many rands that's the only one that feels creepy to me yeah but again <laughs> like i don't know if they're going <laughs> to feel like have Yasha film like 30 different rands, you know, coming at himself from different angles and fighting right. himself. Like, that's a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I agree. That's why it feels like that one would be the most difficult of the three to film. Like, if they chose to keep it. Imagine spending all of the time and effort filming that, and then they get to the editing room and they're like, this is hot garbage. We're not using it. <laughs> you know? I really hope they call it hot garbage. I really do. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's all right. It's, it's a chapter that I read. It, it has its... It's obviously your favorite, right? One of the things that I was thinking of is that like the time period that Jordan is writing this book in, I feel like... I mean, especially for me when I was younger and like discovering fantasy books, a lot of the things that he wrote were new to me. So like Like Indian in the cupboard cabinet or whatever. Yeah. I had never I had never read that one actually. So I missed out on that. But anyway, like I I just think like like you had said earlier, like maybe he was trying something, maybe he was dipping his toe in the water. But with that being said, what I'm wondering is if they decide to do a Bubbles of Evil inside the Stone of Tear. Hmm. Sorry, I just got hit with another thought of why they probably won't. But it's a bit of a spoiler because it doesn't happen until just a little bit later in the book. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if we've already had bubbles of evil in the television show because clearly we have moments where like Rand pulls a bat out of his mouth 
But <laughs> do we know if this is actually a bubble of evil or maybe some Baalzaman trickery? Mm. I don't know exactly. I've always thought about those as like being Baalzaman trickery. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still not sure like how the logistics of that work. Like, right. Obviously, in Teleronriod, if something happens to you there, like if you get hurt there, you're hurt in real life. But can you materialize an actual living, breathing creature inside someone's esophagus? Can you dream that up and it still be there when you wake up? I don't know. Interesting. Questions. How does it work? I don't know. Or is it just as simple as like, hey, that'll look cool? Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> right? I think I think that might be a lot of it. It's just don't think about it. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We're Wrap done. Wrap it up. We're going home. Because <laughs> we're not supposed to think about it. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> um, I'll see you in, in like tomorrow-ish. No, but I remember Aiden really loving that part. Or maybe just being really shocked by it. He was so. really, he was like, his response to it was really unexpected. Like, he was like, Mom, you could have warned me. And I was like, about that? You're creeped out by that. That got you? All right. <laughs> We're not making fun of you, Aiden. Yes, I am. We're not. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm really I not. Mean, like, I love if, you. If they decide they're going to go with more of the bubbles of evil in the show, they will probably have a darker vibe and tone mm. than little people in the cards and flying axes the other thing that i'm wondering is like what would we what would we replace it with and i'm also wondering like in order to simplify things would like the setup be something where matt rand and perrin are all together as opposed to being in all different places and then like the bubble of evil hits all three of them at the same time. And then you don't have like these three separate scenes to work through. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be difficult to even kind of like guess because we have no idea who all is going to be where when we get to the Stone of Tear. Mm -hmm. We don't know if we're even going to have our trio of Taverans, our Grom of Taverans, <laughs> hanging out and kicking it after mm-hmm. they actually conquer the Stone of Tear. Like, is it going to be like, okay, we did the thing, you're in charge of Tear now, Rand, like, good on ya, and then mm-hmm. next episode, it's like a five months later situation where he's like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> like, I don't huh. know. Like time jump kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, do, are, are they going to allot a certain amount of time to kind of like all this conniving that mm-hmm. we're seeing in these chapters in The Stone of Tear? Mm. My brain is trying to think of like the many paths that could be taken. It's just so many hypotheticals. If we're talking about the TV show, like with where it ended with season one, the changes they're going to have to make to season two, without knowing what those things are concretely, it is a big question. Are we all going to be in tier together when the time needs to be? I would like it to be. 
like truth be told, I would like to pull everything more back to like the storyline and the places where it's going to go because our point here in tier splits our group even further as you move forward. And we have like so many things that branch out that I'm just like, I don't want to miss out on this part. Tracy really needs this bubbles of evil moment. <laughs> it's not so much that I need the bubbles of evil as I need everything that happens in the stone of tear. Cause I'm, I'm more thinking about something that happens coming up in the stone of tear. Like it's, it's written down for the spoiler section so we can talk about it, but I feel like Rand learns a lot here. I feel like Matt finds his sense of fashion here. Um, <laughs> so important. So important. So it's crucial. It's crucial. He even admits like his tastes have changed and he's feeling a little luxurious going for a little lace. You know, love it. And really, I don't know what it is that Perrin finds here. Jealousy. Oh. Hmm. And these chapters is the first time he gets really jealous because someone looks at Fael and he's like, mm -hmm. we'll get there later. But I'm like, not a good, not a great look. Love you, Perrin, <laughs> but come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on, man. Well, since, you know, your favorite part of this chapter is the last part of it, should we just... <laughs> Say goodbye to it and move on to chapter three. <laughs> Turn around. Yeah. Sure. Oh, the only thing that I really enjoy about this chapter, I think the best part is kind of all of this back and forth, what's going on as Matt is playing cards, what he's mm. learning and what he's talking to these other lords about mm -hmm. and kind of just... I don't know. We we learn a little about Maiden's Kiss and mm -hmm. kind of like what's going on with the Tyrants in mm -hmm. general, which I think mm -hmm. is fun mm -hmm. because we've obviously had like the Deste Mar in Kyrian mm -hmm. and now we're kind of getting this again a little bit, but not at the same level from the Tyrant Lords mm -hmm. and we get this feeling that Rand really might be in over his head, yeah. despite him doing, he's doing the best he can. Mm -hmm. But. But. <laughs> the best he can. I mean. I mean, they're all like, quote unquote, loyal to him. Right. As they say, but. Right. But they're all still kind of looking for a way to either use him or get rid of him yeah like that's that's about where it is like the tyrants don't really have a true loyalty to rand i don't feel like there's a single one of them that feels as though they actually believe that these prophecies have been fulfilled regardless of what is happening around them well they they're like rand's gonna take us to war with the Ilianas. that's exactly what i was just gonna say and <laughs> Matt's like, eh, I don't know if Rand would do that. And then mm -hmm. the one guy is like, oh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're all loyal to we're him. Loyal. We're, we're loyal. We're yeah. loyal. But, yeah. you know. And, and tell him we said so. Tell right. him that we're going to defeat Ilian for him. Right. And Matt is kind of, you know, like he kind of wants to go. Matt's yeah. 
he he likes his setup. He's got a, a sweet little room with fancy things, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really feel like sticking around and he's mm-hmm. kind of having this trouble with like do I leave my good friend here in this pit yeah. of vipers? Like do yeah. I abandon him? Mm-hmm. And I can't say what he will or won't do because this is spoiler free section. So we can yeah. move on. It's got to be tough. I'm sorry. I know you said we can move on, but what you said made me think that it's got to be tough for Perrin and Matt to have this friend, this lifelong friend now be a potential source of destruction for themselves and everyone around them. And that has to be something to struggle with. And I think Matt shows a good like internal monologue about that. Yeah. The only reason I would keep this chapter at all is to see Bear Lane. <laughs> yeah. Being lusty. Love it. It's really fun. Well, I love when she like kneels down to him and Rand <laughs> thinks like by the time her knees like hit the ground, he was like, oh my God, her robe's going to fall completely off her. How right? is it even? What's holding it up? Bosoms. Um, <laughs> Aiden, you know what to do. Okay, now chapter three. Now chapter three. Chapter three, reflection. After his fight with his own axe, Fayul and Perrin beeline to Rand's chambers. Finding Rand covered in blood, he calls for aid, and soon Moraine arrives with Lan. Ruark joins as well. There's the normal tete-a-tete between Rand and Moraine, and Perrin learns the difference between the prophecies of the Aiel versus the ones he thinks he knows as the prophecies of the dragon. Yeah. Okay. Once again, I, all of our minor female characters like Berlaine and Fayil at this point, I think have been so much more fun to read the second time around. I'm really loving how Fayil and Perrin are kind of like sneaking through the Stone of Tear. So it's not typical like behavior for a lord to be like roaming around in the middle of the night right Mm -hmm. so we have like the servants and defenders doing their thing Mm -hmm. and fail is kind of explaining to perrin Mm -hmm. like what the social norm is Mm -hmm. and because she's a wealthy merchant's daughter right she knows these things she knows about Mm -hmm. castles and servants and stuff Wink, 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 wink. But, wink, wink, wink. Yeah. So, like, they're creeping through the castle, really, and mm-hmm. they come find Rand, and Perrin is very... He, he's accusing Rand, like, this was you, this was mm-hmm. your doing. And then he sees yeah. Rand, and they're like, oh, uh-oh, this is bad. This is really yeah. bad. And he calls for help, and... When, like, everyone gets a look at Rand and sees the state that he is in, it's just kind of like all hands on deck. Everyone's kind of scrambling. And I like this kind of busy, Mm -hmm. running around type scenario where I can see people kind of, like, padding off into the night to go find help. And Mm -hmm. I did really enjoy how this whole chapter went. We do have that moment where... On their way in to see Rand, they pass Bear Lane. Yep. And another lord, too. Who was the lord that they passed? Do you remember? 
is it Torian? Or was Torian uh, the oh, one that Oh, it is Torian. Was... No, 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 okay. you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's High Lord Torian. Yeah. And like, okay. Perrin's using his sniff powers. He's like sniffing everyone around him. And he was like, well, Torian smells like this. And like, apparently the way that Fael feels about the situation, she's like, you didn't have to be so rude. And so then mm-hmm. when Fair Lane comes like, running out of Rand's room and he sniffs her I think he like she's terrified yeah she's terrified I think he says something about it being like held together by a frayed rope and so like he goes out of his way to be like extra courteous to her which of course sets Fayul off in a totally different way that he's not expecting but what I think is also like because because we know Berlaine is there she's the first of Mayeen High Lord Torian like comes out of the shadows and grabs her as she's like running away from Rand's rooms and Perrin can't hear what's going on but I can only imagine like this is a High Lord and we know how they feel about anyone who isn't one of them so I can't imagine that this is like a like a friendly chat you know like oh how's it going like no I feel like he's probably threatening her and interrogating her about why she was in Rand's rooms and what happened. Yeah, they don't want her becoming close with the Lord Dragon because Mayan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I will say though, I found it absolutely hilarious when Perrin when they when they see Bear Lane, Perrin makes like this sweeping bow, you know? Right. And he says Fael, like, just barely even dips her knee. Like, just barely at all. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's absolutely hysterical because reasons. Yep. Reasons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Fael and Perrin, early relationship, sometimes is a bit much. Although sometimes it also makes me kind of laugh. Okay, so... After we have this exchange, Fayil peels off from Perrin and goes a separate way, and then Perrin heads towards Rand's room, and the Defenders of the Stone just kind of let him pass, but then, of course, the Aiel, like, come up out of, from nowhere, it seems like. like. Perrin barely even sees them, but it's like a group of maidens, and they're like, you want to play, uh, what is it called, Maiden's Kiss? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like that he just picks up Bane by like, her arms and like moves her aside. And it's like, <laughs> it's like I really oh, need to tiny yeah, I... tiny person. <laughs> right. I need to go see Rand now. I think it's fun because he's like she's a big woman, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but yeah, Perrin's just, and... you know, he has his Hulk strength. <laughs> Right? And then, of course, like, spears come out, and then they're like, yeah, whatever, it's okay. You know, go ahead and see Rand, it's fine. Apparently that's all you need to do is just, like, pick a, pick a maiden up and move her. Yeah. I think this healing scene of Rand mm-hmm. is really cool. Mm-hmm. I really like the imagery of Moraine, you know, laying hands on him and his body forcing all of the broken glass out right. of his skin. Yeah. And I think that itself is something that's very cool. Like, I would like to see something like that yeah. in the TV show. But again, like, 
It's just kind of one of those fun things when you read it and you're like, I can hear the glass like falling to the floor, the stone floor. And mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. visceral. I love the description in the book where like talking about Moraine arriving in Rand's room. It says she bore down on Rand like a silent, silken avalanche, icy and inexorable. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Moraine. Like, I, I read those things, and I can see Ro- Rosamund Pike being this Moraine. Like, yes, get Just him. swooping on in. Yeah, and... like, find out what's wrong. Do whatever you can to help. Like, good Lord, she gets so frustrated by Rand, and I totally understand it. Yeah, and he is just glued to Kalendor at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. she's healing him, and he's grasping it. Yeah. Like, he's ready for the next attack to happen at any second. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't blame him after all of the things that have happened, you know? But, I mean, then he's like, I'm not going to be chased out of my room. I'm staying here, get someone to come in and, like, switch out the bed and whatnot. Like, I'm not even going to be chased away from my own bed tonight. Like, that's not happening. And <laughs> yeah, Lan and then his, Lan like, Tysharmanetherin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Like, those I little like things from Rand. Too. Yes! I feel like Rand needs that. Like, just those little things. Like Land's one-liners. Like, they're great. Always they're good. Great. Always good. He's just... He's just good. And then I think the other thing in this is how Rand is assuming it's one of the Forsaken, and Matt and Perrin had assumed it was Rand, and then Maureen is like, you're all wrong, I'm pretty sure this is what's happening, and she explains, like, what bubbles of evil are and how they work, and I don't really think we need to get into it, because we did a whole podcast about it, but yeah, like, they just kind of go back and forth with, like, what Maureen thinks he should do, and Rand being like, I just need to do what no one expects me to do, stubborn, stubborn to rivers, people, stubborn. Yeah. Yeah, let me see here. Oh, I think the last, I, I, don't, I don't know where you are with this, but I think the last thing that I wanted to mention from my notes is just how Perrin talking to Rurark finds out, you know, that the Dragon Reborn is a wetlander prophecy and it is not their prophecy. Like, they have a different one, he who comes with the dawn. and Perrin. Even though he says he's a slow thinker, he immediately recognizes what it would mean if Rand was not the person that they were prophesied. Is that right? Prophesized? Is that? Prophesized? (laughs) I don't know. I know English. Uh, Yeah. So I think that that's because as he points out, if the Aiel are not there, Rand would be in serious danger. And so if he's not he who comes with the dawn, parents like Rand could just be fucked. So Yeah. And too, just to think of Rand without the Aiel in general is really mm-hmm. scary. I mean, like mm-hmm. he he has his own honor guard. He has his own like group of mm-hmm. unafraid fully committed mm-hmm. warriors who mm-hmm. are ready to die for him at the drop of a dime. Yeah. And if yeah. that wasn't the case, 
Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting shivers thinking about it because mm-hmm. of course, like you have forsaken coming at you and bubbles of evil and this and that mm-hmm. without the ideal. Rand's just a sitting duck, really. Yeah. I mean, he's he doesn't really know how to channel. He really doesn't have a clue what he's doing. He thinks mm-hmm. he's got an idea, like maybe I should do this. But right now it's all just theories in his head mm-hmm. and he's not really sure. But the mm-hmm. Aiel are there, you know, that goes along with the prophecy, but it's also mm-hmm. stability for him, despite yep. him not particularly loving women mm-hmm. guarding him. But mm-hmm. oh, Wheel of Time. Oh, Rand. Oh, Robert Jordan. All right. I like that as well. I mean, especially since Perrin comments on the difference between the way the Defenders of the Stone are treating protecting Rand's room versus the way that the Aiel are. Like, mm-hmm. they are the stop. Like, if you are yeah. not the people... Like, the defenders might just run away and cry, but the Aiel are there. So he is, like... I feel like he could trust them if he knew that he could. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and I feel like, too, this is almost another callback to the great hunt Mm. where we have rand accidentally channeling and then there being like i don't remember if it was an avalanche or what but he did something and everyone kind of came running like rand what did you do what did you do and it's again the same scenario with matt and perrin being like oh rand he's at it again yeah Goodness. Because of that situation, it does make sense why Perrin and Matt, I mean, like, it's another thing to support their decision that Rand is at the center of why they were attacked in that fashion. Like, they have past experience to back it up. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, look at the time. Let's continue forward. Sure. Chapter four strings. Strings. Tom is in his room pulling strings for Rand with his skill in the game of houses. Matt comes to his room after his fight with the playing cards, talking of leaving, getting away from Rand. Tom knows the pull of Tavirin has trapped them all and is easily able to divert Matt from his plans with a few sentences and a game of stones. I love a good Tom chapter. What can I, I say? I was going to say, I feel as though this is the chapter that you really like. I liked this one. The next one has its moments. But Tom is always in, like, super sleuth mode, I feel like. And he's writing these anonymous notes. Uh Uh-huh. And he's also in the servants' quarters, which is kind of a strange flex, but okay. Mm -hmm. Tom's doing something here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he's not... He's he's got a reason. He's got a plan. Yep. Everything is not what it seems. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what makes him fun to read. So yes. well, and I, oh. I hadn't really made this connection before when I had read it. So the chapter opens with him writing this like this small note, and he's like, the person who wrote it wouldn't even recognize that it's not their own hand. And when he's looking at the piece of paper, 
that he's checking it on it's like it's a crumpled piece of paper so i'm like tom's even going through their garbage to like (laughs) (laughs) find the information that he needs because why else would it be crumpled unless it was found in his garbage or like a coat pocket or something yeah but i mean and i mean also is he like bribing no probably not i was like is he bribing servants is he like hey i have this weird thing for people's garbage I'm Tom, the friendly garbage man. Pay no attention to me in the servants' quarters. With my piles of garbage that I'm sorting through. But I think this is the place to be if you want information, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree. And, like, he knows that if he's there, he's not even a thought to the High Lords at all. Like, Terran nobility, unless you are a noble, you do not matter. And so servants are invisible. Country gleemen are definitely invisible to them. And I love that he he says, like, it just took a few sentences to tell Rand, like, what his plan was and how he could help him and why he needed to be where he was. And I'm like, Tom. Yeah, I'm just thinking about... I don't know. I'm just excited to get more from Tom. I feel like the last book, it kind of sucked. You know, I expected him to kind of be there for the big bang finish of it all. But poor guy was sick. Yeah. (laughs) And now he's kind of like hobbling about in these servants' quarters. Yeah. Plotting and planning. And I just think that. He's a really fun character, and especially, like, at a time in the books where I'm like, okay, that chapter was all right. It's always a welcome to have Tom back because it feels Mm -hmm. more mature and stable and kind of creative. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. We also... (laughs) Okay. mention in this chapter of Matt and all of the holes in his memory. Yeah. Which, oh boy. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's coming up later. Yep. Yeah. And then also where he's like, he says he thinks about leaving all the time. He's like, I think about leaving all the time. But then when I do, he's, I th- he uses the word momentous. He's like, I feel like I'm going to miss something momentous. And Tom is like, I'm not going to say to Viren, but we both know it. (laughs) Yeah, and Matt's like, God, (laughs) quit saying it. (laughs) Right? And his his reasons for staying are so, they're so Matt in what he vocalizes and not necessarily Matt in his head, if that makes sense. He's like, there's all this gold. He has these girls. That he's, you know, spending time with. The very G-rated way of saying. Well, I know that you push the explicit button when you post our podcast episode. I sure so do. I think you can say say what you want to say. <laughs> All right. Matt's out fucking girls. That's yeah. what he's doing. And he's having such a good time. And there are so many girls that are like, yeah, Matt. That he just doesn't want to, like, give that up just yet. How's that? Is that good? Yeah, I love that. I love it. Straight to the point. I love it. That's that's why the explicit button is there. And I love it. Yeah. And, I mean, 
even though Matt and Perrin have this connection to Rand, it almost, almost, mm-hmm. almost feels like Tom's the only one who's kind of like unselfishly going out there and out of his way to help mm-hmm. Rand in this moment. Like, I agree. I'm sure Tom gets something out of it, but at the same time, I think it all comes back to Tom really feeling this connection with Rand over the loss of his nephew, mm-hmm. who was also yeah. a channeler. So, like, we've got Tom kind of... It's not so much a father figure... But definitely a mentor of some kind. And even, I would put the word guardian on there. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it feels a bit strong, but at the same time, I feel like what, like what you said, Perrin is caught up in Fayil, and that's how life goes. He also feels Rand is not the person he was when they were all living in Emmons Field. And so he, he's not really. He doesn't really have Rand's back anymore. And Matt's doing everything he can to stay away from Rand. So he doesn't have Rand's back anymore. But Tom is like, I'm going to use what I have to help you. And hopefully it keeps you alive and aware. And I think there's some amount of guilt, like you said, over his nephew. Mm -hmm. And a hope for redemption in some ways. And being able to use his skills like this to help Rand. Yeah, It's kind of moving when you think about it. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on the road to Tarvalin. Chapter five? Should we move? Yeah, should we move on to chapter five? Yeah. Questioners? Yes. I, I feel like the title alone is hmm, interesting. It intrigues me that it's questioners. So summary, Gwyn and Nynaeve have two Black Aja prisoners and are using a room in the stone to interrogate them. One captive claims one course of action, and the other claims another, but knowing which one to choose is still under consideration. All questions come to an end when Moraine barges into the room, visibly angry as fuck. So where this one starts off at, I like Mm -hmm. where Egwene is having this moment with Avienda, where Avienda is under the impression that Elaine, Nynaeve, Egwene are all eyes said I, and Egwene's feeling somewhat guilty about it. Mm-hmm. It happens, it happens. We, we see this, you know, kind of playing out after they've been going for a while under mm-hmm. the cover of being eyes said I. So we have Avienda here, which is awesome because now Avienda has kind of fully entered the story Mm -hmm. which makes this chapter really exciting sadly Mm -hmm. she's not a big part of this chapter (laughs) no kind of here and that's about it but i guess Mm -hmm. the majority of this chapter revolves around joya buyer who is one of the black aja members that they have captured 
Mm-hmm. And there's quite a lot of internal dialogue on Egwene's behalf. And she's thinking about a lot about Nynaeve. Yeah. And this is another one of these chapters where I just feel like I'm, I want to bang my head on a wall. I hate this. Yeah. Yeah. If we go back to the show, the mm-hmm. TV show, I really, really like the way that they have handled the relationship between Nynaeve mm-hmm. and Egwene. And I really Agreed. hope that this back and forth and animosity between the two of them, I just hope it doesn't ever, it's not necessary, I don't think, ever. I think they'll probably skip it in the show. Partially for simplicity's sake, like a lot of what happens, I mean, it is external, but a lot of the growth that happens for the character, because Aguin is recognizing her behavior. Like she's like, by the time she thinks about smoothing things over, she's already dug her heels in. And then she figures if she talks to Nynaeve about it, it just makes it look like she's backing down. And what has Nynaeve ever backed down from something? So why should Aguin? So she's recognizing the behavioral patterns, but it takes a really long time in the book for like the behavioral patterns to develop to a point where they're all kind of like putting all those petty differences behind them. You know what I mean? I don't I I don't know. I'm I'll save this till the very end. Okay. Because spoilers, but uh-huh. I'm not quite sure if I w- agree 100%. Okay. But no, it's kind of like a disservice to the characters to have them focusing all this energy on mm-hmm. combative behavior because mm-hmm. it's really not necessary to the Mm-mm. story. No. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to get along until the very end of the books. Right, yeah. So I'm not quite sure if it was just inserted for, I don't know, to make things more complicated, maybe? Looking at it now, I think of it as internal observations of characteristics that lead to growth. So during this whole interaction with Nynaeve and I think they're talking to Amiko first like once they are finished with Amiko Egwin is the one who has to weave the bonds and stuff for her because Nynaeve can't channel unless she's angry and Egwin has the recognition that she's the only one in the room and yet here she's indulging in a staring match with Nynaeve over not being able to get down or get along together so she recognizes that what she's doing is ridiculous i think she even says that she would have laughed at herself but i that's that's how i always kind of interpret it from in the books is that it's an opportunity to show growth with the characters i don't think it's necessary in the tv show and i hope they don't do it yeah i'm not sure if okay this is almost impossible for me to even say until we get to spoiler territory so We'll bypass it for now. Okay. And because I don't have a ton of spoilery stuff, there's maybe like two things. But 
I do think here that we've got this like questioning sequence going on with Joya Beyer and mm -hmm. they're kind of employing the police tactic of keep telling me the story over and over again because at some point you're going to get tripped up if it's a lie. And mm -hmm. we also know that from Egwene's point of view, we're learning about, well, she's Black Aja, so she's no longer, she being Joya, is connected to the Oath Rod, so she can mm -hmm. lie now. Mm -hmm. So this is very important for the story. Mm -hmm. This is very important to know how this works, because... Mm -hmm. This is the way to root out Black Aja's catching someone in a lie who is supposed mm -hmm. to be an Aes Sedai, which right. we have seen in previous chapters. Mm -hmm. I want to say of the Great Hunt. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Certain Aes Sedai saying things that are questionable, mm -hmm. but maybe if you do some digging, it could possibly be not a lie, but... Anyways, mm -hmm. I do really like this for what it means for the story and how it comes back later on. Mm -hmm. So I just this is this is such a small thing, but one of the sentences that caught me was when they start to go to interrogate Joya. It's observed that sweat beaded her brow. And I'm wondering why. Just because she's shielded doesn't mean that she shouldn't be able to, like, do that Aes Sedai trick where they don't sweat and they don't look like they get really cold or whatnot. So I'm, I was like, why? Why is sweat beating her forehead? Well, if she's shielded, she shouldn't be able to channel, correct? Yeah, but that trick has nothing to do with channeling. Like, it's a mental thing. Hmm. So maybe maybe it's an indication of her mental uh, state of mind that she can't do it. Maybe or that she's just lying. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Like I it's was, an I, indicator of not being truthful. Maybe I don't know. No, I, that's that's why I wanted to ask. Is like what what would make an ice that I sweat? I don't know. She's probably. I think she's just lying. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Or the fact that she's, okay, hear me out on this. What if Always. it has to do with her being fearful of getting caught by the Black Aja after giving up mm. real information? So she's being truthful and she's sweating because she knows that if she gets recaptured or found by her Black Aja conspirators, she's screwed. Yeah. I mean, I any which way you put it, I think it's it's potentially an indication of her internal strife of the moment. Like, Aguin keeps coming back to her eyes and is like, but her eyes never change and her eyes are hard. And I'm like, yeah, but she's also sweating and shouldn't be. I don't know. Yeah. Also loved mm -hmm. in this chapter. See, I wasn't lying. There were some things that I did enjoy. I love it. We get mention of Mazarim Taim mm -hmm. and Leandrin's plan to free mm -hmm. Mazarim Taim, proclaim him the real dragon reborn, and then basically just starting chaos. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, it's not a terrible plan. <laughs> right? It's, re- it's not. It's a good plan. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. That would fuck shit up. That would fuck shit up. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is, at this point, Rand has the Aiel. He has Kalendor. He has the Stone mm-hmm. of Tear. Yep. So I just... I don't know, Leandrin. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can compete with that. It seems like a bit of a reach mm-hmm. or maybe like a potential plan in discussion that like maybe didn't end up being the final plan. Because I feel as though what Joya tells them when she's being interrogated, how like they found an item that will control the Dragon Reborn. Mm-hmm. And his filthy ability, I think is what she says. And they have to go, like, find this object. Like, this feels way more Leandrin's speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, actually, like, starting, a, like, wars and chaos and stuff feels like something show Leandrin might do. Book Leandrin? No. I can see her doing exactly what she does do. Or it's not so much that she thinks that Mazarum Taim will actually succeed. It's just mm-hmm. more of a way to create problems for Rand as a diversion mm-hmm. until they can mm. control him, so Ooh, to say. Yeah, so like first this, then this kind of thing. Yeah, like she doesn't actually believe that Mazarum Taim is going to be joyfully received by the people and be an actual competitor you know (laughs) to rand but the man is incredibly powerful he's an Mm -hmm. amazingly strong channeler Mm -hmm. and he can wreak havoc you know it it doesn't have to be even if mazram taim is on his lonesome just a guy just one person kind Mm -hmm. of rampaging and saying you know follow me or i burn your entire village like he's going to create problems for people and that's going Mm -hmm. to leave a question mark in the people of the westlands to who is actually the dragon reborn Mm -hmm. who's in league with tarvalin and as we have seen throughout the series rumors spread like wildfire so yeah they do it's it's not a terrible plan i think Mm -mm. that i think that yeah it could work it could work as a great distraction yeah and then of course a queen and nynaeve and elaine when she's there she's usually there at the moment she's been hauled off with moraine who had been there like they have to figure out which one do they believe and where do they where do they go to see if they can find the Andron? Because either way, they're looking mm-hmm. at having to leave Tyr. And both would be really time-consuming trips for them. Like, I mean, we don't have fast travel mm-hmm. in the Wheel of Time world at this moment, except for the ways. And I don't see them taking the ways, like, without loyal. And I don't see them inviting with them everywhere so we also get information about amiko another one Mm -hmm. of the black aja co-conspirators who has Mm -hmm. been stilled and we learn from 
Egwene, the differences and similarities between stilled, gentled, Mm -hmm. and burned out. Yeah. I actually marked that part down because I thought her observation of why do they have different words for stilling and being burned out when it comes to female channelers. And I was like, we do the same thing when it comes to the death of a person. There's like passing away. There's execution. There's assassination. You know, like there are different words to describe the same thing, but to give it the proper context when somebody's looking at it from the outside so they can understand it too. So I, I was like, are you sure you really don't understand why they do it that way, Egwene? Or are you just putting that in there for me? I don't know. Yeah. I'm ready to jump into spoilers, I think. Spoilers? Yeah. So going back to Perrin and Fael, Mm -hmm. is it possible that, okay, I think, yeah, Fael might have been a little bit jealous of Bear Lane, Mm -hmm. but with all of Perrin's miss sniffing, (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. know how to say it. Uh, All his sniffing. His sniffing and just assuming. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that Fael isn't really so much jealous of Berlane, but when she barely bows, it was more of like a status thing? Like, I shouldn't be scraping mm-hmm. to this one because we're pretty close to being equal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she's not a merchant. <laughs> she is like legit in the line for the throne right. very closely. So like mm-hmm. the borderland she's from mm-hmm. Saldea, which is a nation and mm-hmm. Mayan mm-hmm. is like a city state. Yep. Yeah. So like technically Fael might actually be higher up in terms mm-hmm. of class than Berlane. Uh-huh. So she's not going to bow to this woman. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. So I just think it's funny that it's like Perrin being like, oh, she's jealous again. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was kind of a, uh, like her being snooty. When I, when I first read the books, I just thought she was like kind of having attitude, I guess. And then, you know, realizing who she actually is, what her social status is. I was like, oh, you were just doing the appropriate thing for the noble hierarchy. And, I mean, Perrin's not going to necessarily know that because he didn't even know that the servants would come out and clean when nobody was around, which Mm -hmm. to Fayil seems really obvious. So, yeah, I think it's it's more a status thing than a jealousy thing. Mm -hmm. I think... The more I look at Fael, the more I feel like she got a bad rap. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. There are a couple places where I feel like we could just knock out some of the parts of her conversations that she has with Perrin and it would be so much better. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a moment where, like, he wants to know why she's upset with him. And she's like, well, if you don't know, I'm certainly not going to tell you. And I'm like, that is just the shittiest response. I fucking hate that response. Fayul does not seem like the kind of girl that would play head games like that. Or she's like, why don't you just sniff me? Why don't you sniff me and tell me? Why don't you you tell me what's wrong, Perrin? Smell me. (laughs) 
<laughs> smell me. Yeah. Episode determine title. Determine my emotions. Okay? <laughs> smell me and determine you tell, my you emotions. You tell me how I'm feeling, Perry. Mm-hmm. You tell me. Yeah. I think there's a couple scenes from Fael, like, that have to do with her personality mm-hmm. that I think if it were deleted from the books, she would be received much differently by people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, in that instance, after Perrin is done fighting with his axe and she's like you're sure you're not hurt you're sure you're okay and he's like i'm fine and he's thinking there's like this tender moment unfolding and she slaps him she slaps him yeah why full arm slapped him but doesn't he like pin her up against the door and pretty much like shove her physically out of the room i'm not saying that she should hit Perrin. But I'm also right. saying he's been very physical with her in this chapter uh, as well. Yes. Yes, he has. But he did tell her to get out because he knew that the axe was going to kill both of them if they were there and he didn't have time to explain it. And she's like, I'm not leaving you. And she should have just left. She should have just left. She should have been like, you know what? You are way stronger than I am, and you can barely control that thing. I'm going to let you handle that. Yeah. I'm going to trust you. It's her choice. If you're feeling like dancing with death, then by all means. But you can't tell me if Andrew was facing life or death. (laughs) I did think a lot about that. I did think a lot about that. You would have to cry my you know, corpse away. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think the reason why I would, if, if it were me in that situation, if it were me and Andrew, and he was like, get out. I can only do this if you are not here. I would be like, okay. Like, I trust him. I would be in the way. I would trip him up. I would try to add my strength to it. Instead, just become a liability. Like, yeah, but the who's blade. to say that you wouldn't be able to use your mind and figure out a way to save him? That's true. I understand what you're saying. I understand why Fayil stayed for sure. But I also think a lot about, like, me. Like, what I could offer in that situation. I just don't know if I, like, I would feel like I would be a liability. And I feel as though, like, if my husband had emerged safe from that, I would not slap him. I would probably just weep and be thankful. Yeah, but your husband probably wouldn't, like, batter you up against a wall and push you out of a room. <laughs> no, pro- I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying really to, know. I'm just trying to um, give an alternative way of thinking to the parent fail yeah. relationship because so often... I hear people say, like, Perrin is the ideal husband. Mm. And Aww. he does a lot of stuff that is questionable. So yeah. maybe He's some okay. women just like, you know, being pushed around a little bit. So, I don't know. Some, yeah. some women like being sniffed. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh... Different strokes. Different strokes. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I would ever describe Perrin as feeling like, like an ideal husband to me. I don't know. Not my type. He bores me, I guess. 
Okay, let's move I on. I don't know. Did you have any spoiler things that you wanted to talk about? The the thing about the bubbles of evil that I was talking about before and why they might just like clip it completely from putting it in the TV show and or simplify it in a way is because we've got that big battle sequence coming up. Like there's an attack on the Stone of Tear coming up in like a chapter or two, I think. And if they're going to do that, and they're going to have Trollocs rampaging through the Stone of Tear, and they're going to have Rand calling down lightning and whatnot. Like, I feel like they should put their budget there before they put it into an elaborate Bubbles of Evil sequence. Yeah, I could see that if we have a battle. But that kind of gives them a reason to kind of split and go their separate ways, right? Yeah, I was going to say, that's why I think, like, all of them need to meet in the Stone of Tear. Like, everything that spirals out from Rand taking Kalendor and then, quote-unquote, ruling Tear, everything that happens from there is crucial. It's crucial to the storyline. I'm sure they could be creative and come up with something different, but why? Why? Like, I feel like they can easily find a way to have everybody there and then split everybody up again. Yeah. I'm curious to see how many more big battle scenes we're going to get in the show. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the things about the series itself where it can rival something like Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon or Mm -hmm. Rings of Power or The Witcher. Mm hmm. We're having these, like, very, very big epic battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a kind of meager budget, mm-hmm. you're really, I mean, just kind of going to have to overlook one of the things that many people really love the series for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it would be wise of them to at least include every season some type of battle, whether it be physical or with the one power that just Mm -hmm. looks good. Like, let's Mm -hmm. face it, that little tiny Mm -hmm. T-grain sequence, like people were raving about that. It was cool. It was really fun to watch, but it was just like a drop of the hat. Like that's, it's not even something that we see in the books and they spent Mm -hmm. all that time giving us that. So. I think it would be wise for them to keep doing it. I mean, people really loved it. Yeah, I agree. People really loved it. Mm-hmm. And two, I mean, just the Maidens of the Spear. Come on, you can't have the Maidens of the Spear and have them not fighting. They are not right. <laughs> there to just stand around. <laughs> right, yeah. And getting and I mean, loud. Like, <laughs> get loud about it, get loud. <laughs> I'm here for it. I think they will. Like, Rafe Judkins... Mm-hmm loves his ideal i mean i think this is why we got t-grain so i have a feeling like this is something they will do yeah but with magic we haven't really gotten it yet no not in the way that we will and that i mean that's okay like i really want i mean i'm really hoping i guess that the third season for the tv show is going to be a lot of the shadow rising and i'm 
I know it's a big, thick book, and I know a lot happens in it, but it's so fun. Like, it'll be interesting to see how I feel about it after we, like, pull it apart. Do you have, like, a top moment of The Shadow Rising? Mm. Uh, I mean, I know the... you say over and over again it's your favorite book, but... Yeah, my favorite moment is when Rand is going through the, the glass columns, and he's seeing his ancestors lives through their lot through their eyes and you get like all the way back to the age of legends and what happens there i think that's my favorite part i could go on with other favorite parts i'm wondering if that hits me differently on the reread i've always enjoyed it i think it's because it had confused me so many times that i had like especially when i was younger i would have to go back and be like okay so this happened and this happened and this happened and now it feels so much smoother when I read it because I kind of understand the timeline as it's supposed to be put together in your head after you're done reading it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I honestly, in The Shadow Rising, really loved the whole Varen and the Two Rivers. Mm -hmm. And probably this big like hoorah like mm -hmm. fully battle mm -hmm. mode of all of the women's circle mm -hmm. <laughs> like all the women of Emmons Field it chokes me up every time yeah chokes me up every time okay. and I really hope that we go back to the two rivers mm -hmm. even though they destroyed the set you know I mean Emmons Field was destroyed they just built it back again they can they can do that, right, guys? Right? Just build build a set again. Just build it again. That's all. Just just that what simple. Just build a set again. I would be so sad. <laughs> I would be so sad. Heartbroken. Heart. I broken. I'm trying to think of how you could cut that scene, like that storyline of Perrin in the Two Rivers. And I just don't know if you can. Do they send him off to the waste with the Aiel? Like, is that what happens? Ugh, I hope not. Right? I hope not. What does he do there? Just hang around? That's the thing that's so hard to think about. Like, if they're, you know, like, allocating money mm -hmm. to certain scenes and stuff, like, Age of Legends flashbacks, are we going to get, like, really cool Age of Legends flashbacks, mm -hmm. or is it going to be done in a different way yeah i mean is it going to just be like oh look here's a person contained in a small area so you can't really see everything in the background it doesn't really look much different but they tell you oh this is the past you know cool. like are they gonna show us or are they gonna tell us <laughs> interesting and how are they how are they gonna go about doing it when you've got like battles going on and just channeling going on and all kinds of stuff happening in this book. Yeah. So much, so much. But I think, yeah, glass columns, very important. Mm -hmm. Two rivers, very important. So if they focus on those two things, I don't think they can go too far wrong with the story. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it would appease the fans, like, to have yeah. those two beats of the story there. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it doesn't hurt to appease the fans, you know? Give them what they want sometimes. This is a place where I feel like you should. 
You know, I feel like you should kind of stick to the storyline. I feel like there are definitely books further along the line where I'm like, just hack it, cut it, combine it all together and whatever. But this book, and I think maybe Fires of Heaven, I feel have so much meat to them that clipping too much of it away would just kill the story. Yeah. I just can't imagine not getting to see Varen mm-hmm. in the two rivers, right. freeing the Cawthons. Mm-hmm. It was just so nice to go back there, I think. I agree. It's like, it's like getting to go home. Because it, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Even though it's not it our really home, is. it still kind of feels that way. Like, yeah, there's always this memory of home among the, the young people that have left Emmonsfield behind them. So, And on top of that, like, we get Tam, like, sneaking out into the night, mm-hmm. and he's off doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And I really, really would love for them to bring Tam's actor back oh, yeah. sooner rather than later because he plays such a great mm-hmm. part throughout the story, even if it's small. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to forget about him. <laughs> I really don't. Do you think they're going to change his storyline a bit because of the actor that they have? I don't know. I don't know. That would be really interesting. If he's not doing a lot. I'm sure even if he's just showing up for, you know, one block of filming. Yeah. They get all the two river scenes in. They would shoot all of that together in one go. So I don't know if I don't know how long of a time commitment that would be. A month, maybe? Yeah. Two months. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. um, My last spoiler. Yes. So... We were talking about Egwene and Nynaeve, and you had said that in the books, perhaps this combativeness is just something there so that they have something to overcome. Yeah, yeah, like character development. Yeah. I don't know if it really does become, like, okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the relationship between Nynaeve and Egwene ever come back together i don't think they ever come back together in the way that they were when they were living in the in the two rivers together i just don't feel like that connection even really grows to anything i mean like it's almost like they just agree to disagree and i mean that's about it uh so I guess what I'm thinking in response to that is that when they do reconnect, it's after Gween's been raised to Amarillan seat. So their opportunity to create a new bond being the people they are now isn't really possible either. Like I think Elaine and Nynaeve leave shortly after they're raised in Saldea. No, Saladar, sorry. So when they're in Saladar, then they leave. So there really isn't a chance for them to have that. But at the very least, they seem to have recognized that the combative approach that they've taken in the past just doesn't make any sense anymore, and they leave it aside. 
And Nguyen has that thing where she, like, takes the Amarillan stole off and sets it aside and is like, okay, I'm Nguyen now. I'm not the Amarillan seat. We can talk like we should. But, yes, I don't think that that closeness ever comes back. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this is the point in the story where Egwene seems dead set on being the person who can tell Nynaeve what to do and it be okay. Yeah. And I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) The end. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Egwene does some not so nice things in her treatment with Nynaeve. So, fair. It's, um, well, it, it, even going all the way to Nynaeve's accepted, or accepted her test for the shawl, mm-hmm. I just, after I read that chapter, okay, so there's, there's another Egwene chapter that's really awful that I wish just never happened, mm-hmm. but that aside, the test for the shawl was so hard to read, mm-hmm. and I just felt so absolutely betrayed mm. by that chapter yeah even though Nynaeve kind of like walks out of there like just you know she's kind of at that point where she's like middle fingers in the air like I don't care mm-hmm. you need me I don't need you mm-hmm. do what you want say what you want I'm gonna go do what I'm gonna do and me as the reader, I was just like gutted. Mm. I was gutted. I don't know what I was expecting. I was hoping maybe that there would be this moment of them coming back to friendship in a way. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen. It's just even more fractured after this test for the shawl. Like they almost killed Nynaeve and Egwene was like, well, sorry, we had to do it. And I think I was just so betrayed because I'm like, you say that you want to do the best for the tower and change the tower and make the tower better than it was. Mm-hmm. And here you are doing the exact same stuff that gets women killed. Yeah. Like you want to keep the numbers up. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. And rant. <laughs> feel good. Feel a little lighter. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I don't really have anything that I, I want to or need to add. Do you have any other things you need to get off your chest? Moments you want to enjoy together? Nothing to get off my chest, but I just wanted to say thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for Patreon people for joining us in chat while we record. Mm-hmm. And next week, Tracy will be in Germany. When this airs, Tracy will be in Germany. Yep. So. I think we're planning a live stream yes, or two, mm-hmm. and I'll go ahead and let people know now to look for it. Well, probably I can schedule something after we pick you up and rest a little bit. Yeah, that sounds good. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. This time tomorrow. tomorrow, you'll already be here. I will be there. Yeah. But I think I, think I might still have time to go run out and vote real quick, so I want to go do that. <laughs> I thought you did that yesterday. I've been trying to do that since Monday. Since Monday. I've been trying to do that. Yeah. I don't want to miss it. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, go vote. Go vote. (laughs) Go vote. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. 
You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.